Hey guys, you're listening to the Gen Pop Podcast with me, your host, Larry Doyle. Where each week, I'm going to bring in friends, guests, and experts to help enhance your health, fitness, and wellness journeys. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations. Hey guys, what is up? You are welcome back to episode number 23 of the Gen Pop Podcast. And this episode is going to be slightly different where we've got no guests, it's just me and you. It's a solo cast. And while I love having my friends and guests and everyone on to share their insights, thoughts and opinions, I'd love to get on and share some of my own. And I'm going to share with you today a piece that I wrote for The Independent a couple of weeks back. And it's called Eight Reasons Why You're Not Losing Weight. And I think you're going to gain a lot of insights, maybe some help and some tips along the way to help you navigate that tricky water and what may be holding you back help identify those areas and allow you to press on forwards. And just before we jump into those eight reasons, I want to let you guys know that the affiliate intake for March is still open. If you want to speed up the process, remove the guesswork and get guidance from me personally in your health, your fitness and your all-around wellness, hit the link in the description below and you'll be able to find out more information about our March intake. Let's get into the action. Now, these eight points, before we go any further, they're not in any particular order, but they are issues that we see popping up all the time when we get confused or frustrated people coming to us looking for help who have been trying to lose fat for years. And when we deep dive in a little bit more, when we ask some questions, these are the areas we see popping up all the time, over and over again with all of those individuals. Number one, you've got no structure. We don't need to have military precision with our food plans or an alarm to remind us to eat every two hours. But if you do erratic things with your food, expect erratic responses. And that's not just on the scales. That can be in your energy, in your focus and in your clarity throughout the day. And if we're doing erratic things, jumping from one plan to another, getting one harebrained idea and applying it for a couple of days and then jumping to the next where it's going on plan from Monday to Friday, jumping off on the weekends, you're going to get erratic responses. And we don't need every day to be Groundhog Day, but we need some form of structure in your exercise, your rest and recovery, your sleep, your hydration, all of those factors. They're going to need some form of structure. If we want consistent things to happen, we need to have consistent inputs to get the response that we want. Once you've got that structure in place, It is now a framework that you can work from. You will put it in place for maybe three to four weeks. Give it a consistent stimulus over a long enough period that you can have an accurate response and then make small changes and tweaks as necessary. But something I want you to know is that perfection is the enemy of progress. There will be slight errors. There will be hiccups. There will be speed bumps along the way. But if every time you get one of those, you scrap it and throw it out the window because you cannot perfect it, that is going to alter and halter your progress massively. Number two, you're guessing. You're playing a game of pin the tail on the donkey. And that approach works sometimes, but that's if you take enough attempts. You're sure to hit the target every now and then. And we want to remove that guesswork and we want to create a level of accuracy as we go along the way, giving you the control back in your hands. If you were to treat your food like your bank account and you want to save some dollars, we need to put attention into what you're spending. You'll make a strategy there on where you need to pull back and you'll put a budget in place. And food is no difference because we're dealing with energy balance. And it's kind of like your bank balance in that way. It's money in, money out, and it's calories in, calories out. 
we want to create an awareness of what you're consuming, what you're taking in on a daily basis and on a weekly basis, and we also want to look at the energy you're expending. And once we can get a better idea on this, we can then put in more framework, we can remove the guesswork and make far more educated decisions based off where you're at in terms of if you're in a calorie surplus, if you're maintaining, or if you're in a deficit, and just how severe that may be. And there's an old saying, and it's very applicable here. What gets measured gets managed. And if we can remove that guesswork, put in that framework, we now have full control back in our hands. Number three, you're trying to go alone. And we see this so often when people come in that they have limited support from their friends or their family or their immediate network with their co-workers, etc. But you cannot be the lone sheep when it comes to your fitness journey. Sure, some people might be able to do that, but for the most part, people will need guidance, they will need support. They're often a little bit ashamed or a little bit afraid to actually put up their hand for support. But I'm going to use an example. If I go get in my Jeep and I turn on the engine and the engine light flashes up with a warning and I don't know exactly what to do with that warning, I'm going to call a mechanic. If I open up the press to my boiler and there's a massive leak, I'm going to ring my plumber straight away because they're going to know exactly what to do. They've done that thousands of times. They've seen all the different boilers that they can have. They've seen all the different car engines with the mechanics. They know exactly what to fix. And there's no shame. But for some reason, when it comes to health and fitness, people are ashamed, they're embarrassed to say that I've messed up, I need some help. It's the same with any aspect and any area of your life. If you feel you need some help, put up your hand, get help from the expert who has massive experience in that field with people exactly like you who have been where you are and have got to where you want to go. Number four, you aren't eating mindfully. And we think of mindfulness, we think of sitting on the side of a cliff, meditating, singing Kumbaya. But with this, we're trying to create an awareness around the foods and actually the amount of calories you're consuming that you are not aware of. Whether that's licking the spoon when you're serving up some peanut butter to the kids or if you're snacking on their leftovers. Or if it's just sitting in front of the TV at nighttime, mindlessly eating. We're trying to create an awareness. And any of those things are not bad, but they're going to contain calories. And the easiest way we can cut back on some calories and some overeating is to create some mindfulness and some awareness around how you eat. You may think you're only eating three meals a day, but if you're snacking six times in between those, you're going to amount up a massive amount of calories that you are unaware of. Once we can create that awareness, you're now creating control. And ultimately, control gives us the outcomes that we are looking for in the long run. Number five. Every diet you've ever tried contains bland and boring foods. Now, I'm not saying for a moment that you have to go audition for MasterChef here. But if you can increase the enjoyment in your food, you are going to increase your adherence. There's only so many chicken salads somebody can eat before they go crazy. Adding in more flavor, more seasoning, more spices, carbs and hell, even chocolate. It's going to absolutely help you stay on track. Harder is not better when it comes to dieting. If you can increase that level of enjoyment, you reduce the friction. Because what we have is Monday to Friday, everyone's super rigid. They eat clean. And then on the weekend, they introduce just a little bit. But because they've pulled back so much Monday to Friday and now introduce a hyper palatable food... They can't stop. They don't have as much control. But if we put in a lot more flavor, 
a lot more enjoyment and a lot more adherence to your food Monday to Friday, it reduces that weekend craving. And I'm big on people learning how to cook, to broaden their food varieties. And it's something we look at with every single client. Can you cook? Do you enjoy cooking? How can we make cooking more enjoyable for you? And if we can increase that skill set with the individual, you're going to increase their adherence, their enjoyment and the outcomes with the results that they are ultimately looking for. And we're not asking anybody to become Gordon Ramsay or to spend thousands of euros on an elaborate setup, but it's giving them simple tools that people do not have because we've relied on convenience food for so long that now when a lot of people are at home, they haven't got that skill set or they've depended on someone else for that skill set. But if you can increase that with just very basic culinary skills, you will massively ramp up their return on investment. Number six, you don't enjoy the exercise plan you're following. And much like number five with the food, if you don't enjoy the food, you will not increase your adherence. If you hate burpees and you're doing them every day in your program, chances are you're not going to get psyched up and put in any effort into that program and stick to it for the long haul. So why the hell are you doing it? And I don't care if someone dances in a hula hoop in the back garden, but if that floats your boat and you genuinely enjoy it, you are literally going to dance your ass off. Adherence is the key factor in getting the actual results you want and then making them stick and sustain. If you enjoy it, you'll stick to it. Adherence with exercise carries over into every other aspect then. If you have a great session, chances are you're going to stick to your food that little bit better that day. If you come in and you're pissed off after your session, chances are you are not going to stick to your food that day. What you actually do is far less important than actually doing it. Something will always be better than nothing. One will always be greater than zero. And I don't care how optimal or hyper-specific that program may be for you as an individual. But if you do not enjoy it, you will not stick to it. You will not get the return on investment. Number seven. You are ignoring the elephant in the room and trying to outrun and outdiet stress. Stress is absolutely going to have a negative impact on the result and outcome of, of any diet. Outside of the physiological impacts, it derails adherence. Stress is going to be omnipresent in your day-to-day. It's inevitable. But ignoring it, adding more stress via training and even a nutritional stress with a hefty calorie deficit is going to see things spiral fast. And we get this all the time with people who are just massively unaware of how much stress they're carrying on a day-to-day basis. But once we can give them the tools where they can check in with themselves, when they can offset that little bit more and put in an ounce of prevention, because that ounce of prevention is going to be worth a pound of cure. And if we can get them to rekindle some old hobbies, maybe do some journaling, some meditation, some mindfulness, they're all going to be excellent to offset some stress. But ultimately, they're going to have to tackle that root cause of those stresses head on. And that's a difficult conversation that some people may not be willing to have or may not be prepared to have. But if we can give them the support, the tools and the guidance, they're now going to be able to manage that that little bit better. They're going to be offsetting the stress and they're now going to increase their adherence to the plan. But something to also be aware of is that it may not be the best time for you to diet. That if you're going through periods that you know are going to be incredibly stressful, reduce the friction reduce the dieting time spent around that time period where if you can go back up to maintenance and hold put in the foundations reduce the stress when that stress clears now you can really push on and make some meaningful progress number eight last but by no means least and what i feel is the most important of these eight 
is sleep. And if we think of your, your whole health and wellness like a tripod, it's got three legs, obviously. The first leg is going to be nutrition. Second leg is your training. The third leg, well, that's your sleep. And we know how a tripod stands. But if you remove one of those legs, that tripod's going to fall. And more often than not, out of those three, we see that sleep is the biggest issue. And while it's recommended we get seven to nine hours per night, it's rare we see anyone coming in who is really struggling to get results who's hitting that seven to nine hours. It's more like four to five and broken, getting up several times a night to go pee. And they think that's normal, and that's not. Now, if you've got kids, you've got other night shifts, if you've got other sleep disruptors like that, that's going to be a different story. But for the most part, if you're not getting seven to nine hours sleep, you are going to massively struggle to get the results you want. And while again, much like high levels of stress, there's a whole host of negative physiological impacts that undersleeping is going to give you. Leaving those who are sleep deprived, moody, irritable, lacking energy, underperforming, under recovery, it's a massive recipe for disaster. If we can shift that focus to put in a little bit more sleep structure, put in a little bit better sleep hygiene, where it's making the environment more conducive and actually focusing on getting that world's best drug, which is a full night's sleep, you're going to give those a massive boost to their adherence, their performance, their recovery, their mood, their energy, their clarity, the whole nine yards. Everything in the whole body's impacts will be positively upregulated by improving your sleep. It's something I would massively suggest you look into deeply before any of the rest of these. Fix sleep, you will fix a lot of the rest of the holes that are gaping. So that wraps up my solo cast on eight reasons why you may not be losing weight. And maybe something jumped out to you within those eight. Maybe all of the eight jumped out. Because they're the reasons and that's the insights we see from people who are struggling, who are frustrated, who are confused and unsure about why they're not getting the results they feel they deserve. And my suggestion to you, if you felt all eight, or that many of them did apply, is that you pick two to three. You focus on them for a significant period of time, putting your energy and focus there, correcting the ones you feel will give you most bang for your buck, and then moving down along the ranking of order. If you're not sure, reach out and touch base. If you want a little bit more help, reach out and touch base. Shoot me a DM, shoot me a mail. We're always here to help. And if you want to speed up that process, if you want to remove the guesswork, if you want to get insights and coaching from me, our March intake is still open for the affiliate. We'd love to have you on board. Until the next one, we'll chat soon.